Agent Ryan. Agent The Vern. The Rabbit Hole Podcast team has asked us to return back to the town of Twin Peaks to go over all the case files. Are you ready? Have we been asked to cover the case files of the groundbreaking series created by David Lynch and Mark Frost? The same one. We will be discussing in detail every episode from all three seasons of the show. Including the plot of every character, not just the mystery of who killed Laura Palmer. Exactly. We'll also dive into why the show became such a phenomenon in the 90s and how it still influences shows today. Will we discuss the feature film Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me? You know, that may be our longest season yet. So check Tales from the Double R on Anchor, Spotify, Good Pods, or listen to us at rabbitholepodcast.com. Now, let's order some coffee and a piece of that amazing pie. All the shows here at Rebel Hole Podcast are sponsored by Audible. If you go to audibletrial.com forward slash rabbit hole pod, you get to try for free for 30 days. Download any audiobook, original show, or podcast you want. And after 30 days, you pay just $14.99 a month and get access to even more audiobooks original shows, or podcasts. Cancel anytime, and if you do, you get to keep anything you've downloaded so far, therefore it's literally risk-free. That's audibletrial.com forward slash rabbit hole pod. Using that link helps us out, and you get to support the show. You can also support the show by going to patreon.com forward slash rabbit hole pod. For as low as $3 a month, you get early access to episodes and all kinds of great bonus content. Again, that is patreon.com forward slash rabbit hole. Welcome to the Word of Hellmouth podcast, where we are going through the entire series of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, episode by episode, re-watching and discussing everything that is Buffy and the Scoobs. We are back with season two, episode five, Reptile Boy, which aired on October 13th, 1997. On this side quest, Buffy and Cordy find themselves at a frat party where college guys aren't just date-raping jerks, but demon-worshipping, human-sacrificing jerks. It's only natural that one evolved after the other. I'm Heather Baxi walsh and with me today to discuss the obsession Joss Whedon seems to have with snake-like monsters and demons is Mark Armstead. How has your summer been, Mark? Hey, Heather. It's been pretty okay. I can't complain. A little sad that it's almost over, but, you know... It's been a pretty quiet summer, so I can't complain too much. It's it's been pretty decent so far. Mine actually hasn't been too bad either. We've we've had lots of storms this summer, and usually I am all excited about storms and rain. This year, I've just been going, please don't let the power go out. Please don't let the power go out. That has been me all summer. Okay, I like the boomies, but please don't let the power go out. That has been me. (laughs) Yeah, uh, this last, these last few weeks, these last few storms have been pretty, no, devastating on the uh on the eastern seaboard area uh my fence is broken i've kind of had to pull it back into place but yeah like my fence is like a swing gate and it's not a swing gate it's it's no no that that should be stable right there that that isn't an entry point (laughs) so so i had to fix that uh but yeah the storms have been getting kind of crazy you know and crazier as the time goes on no, we're not, we're not in hurricane season yet, but I, no. I'm, I'm afraid of it this year. I really Me too. am. Me too. I usually get excited in the fall for all the, the rain and because that's what happens. I, I mean, I'm in Detroit here, so we get all of those storms that come up and sometimes you get the, the Eastern, like by you, we get your hurricanes that come up the East coast, but we also get all the stuff from the Gulf and they just smash. So Ooh. we'll get like, yeah. So it, it'll just be stagnant for like a couple weeks where we'll get rain and I love that because it's in the fall and it's it's not as humid and it's cooler so it's kind of nice but this year I don't think that we're going to get that kind of chill atmosphere I think it's going to be crazy yeah it's going to be crazy unfortunately but other than that my summer's been pretty okay it's it's been a quiet quiet summer it feels like we've it's been so so much has happened since we last recorded and it hasn't technically been that long but it feels like it's been forever it's really weird 
I know it feels like it's I, I we both said right before we started the show that we thought we're like it feels like almost we we like skipped a month or something <laughs> right right that's good we're so we're back if you all really missed us we missed you yes we have we have <laughs> Uh, so I did want to know, it's like, I, I think, you know, Joss and the gang kind of got bored with the, like, they got lazy with the uh, the titles of the shows. Like last yeah. episode was Inca Mummy Girl. There's some Rental Boy. Like, okay. <laughs> okay. I know. I, I see, I, but. I, 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 and that's the thing. Are they actually being ironic about it or aren't they? I don't really know. <laughs> right, right. It's like, okay, is this, is this, you know, you being, you know, cheeky and clever or you being lazy? And they and they don't always do it either, but they use uh they use the title in this one specifically. I think at the end Buffy actually calls him it, which does not sound as insulting as it should. It ends up being a really funny punchline, but not like a yes. a good Buffy one. Right, right. Uh so this episode begins with like uh I call it the Bollywood opening. Down. <laughs> like they're they're watching you know a bollywood flick and i'm not going to call this full-on racism but <laughs> looking you know at it like at a 2023 you know you know lens they're watching a bollywood like if she's crying and she's singing and we know like bollywood actresses they had the high you know warble you know in their voice and, like is she crying no she's singing why is she singing and they're going through like the uh the the story of a Bollywood, you know, flick, and you know, like Bollywood flicks and telenovelas and things of that nature. The storylines are pretty whimsical and kind of crazy and don't make much sense. But that's the point, you know. But, yeah, there. You know, I do. I watch actually. Mike and I watch the telenovelas at night sometimes. We don't understand yes. them, but we understand all we need to understand. Exactly. It's there's I so drama. much drama. Yes, and so much fun. I love it, and I can fall asleep to it. The only thing I hate with the telenovelas is they have real children on there that are really crying. Oh. Yes. Oh, and for me, wow. that is worse than the sound of an alarm clock. No, no, no. Heather will walk out of room if she hears a baby crying. Nope, I've done my time. <laughs> done. You, you can't stop the baby from crying. So yeah, no. just a crying baby that I can't fix. I can see that being the problem. <laughs> yes. So we have the Bollywood opening in of course, they jinx themselves because they notice, hey, Sunday's been pretty quiet lately. Nothing's been going on. No vampires, no monsters. It's a quiet, boring evening in, Buff in Buffy's bedroom watching Bollywood movies. Uh, and essentially, that does not last for long because in the very next scene, we see a damsel in distress kicking out of a window. Did she die through the window? I think she died through the window. She dies through the window. Okay, I'm super impressed by her athletic prowess. She <laughs> climbs out the window. Now, first of all, too, she has sensible shoes on. She has a white pretty dress on, which mm -hmm. which means the symbolism of purity, I'm sure. she She's jumping out the window from a second floor building. She yes. climbs down. She doesn't even fall and scrape her knees. She gets up and she starts running full sprint. She is moving and being chased by these men in hooded robes, which is uh -huh. never, ever a good sign in any situation. So ever. we know things are bad, but she continues to move. And again, I'm going, wow, this girl can run. She gets to a, a fence. It was a stone fence, wasn't it? Yeah, it's like a stone wall. Yeah, and she climbs over it. Mm -hmm. I'm uh, at that point. I would be tired uh, again. Adrenaline, maybe, but this girl, she's got some moves. Yeah, but, cardio. She she puts it in at the gym. Absolutely. Yep, yep. She she is not your typical damsel. Is basically where I'm getting here. So I I approve of girl running here. If there was more girls running like this in horror movies that got caught, I'd be like, yeah. But they're always falling and tripping over stuff, and it's it's. But she was a badass. So they it's still idiotic. got her though. Yeah, yeah. They still, so they still got her though. She makes it over the stone wall, which is happens to be outside the, the other side of the wall is the cemetery. Uh, how much of Sunnydale is a cemetery? Honestly? I think they have. I think they have. And I know I'm off with the actual number, but I think they have like 17 <laughs> cemeteries in Sunnydale. Right <laughs> I'm gonna look it up right now because I remember reading this somewhere before. How yes, many? there. Cemeteries in it feels Sunday. like Australia where you know it's, it's isolated like their Whoa. towns are built on 12 cemeteries wow <laughs> <laughs> so you know right beside this weird house that you know she escapes from goes over the wall she's smacked them into the cemetery she's run across you know 
tombstones. And unfortunately, as Heather mentioned, he does get cut by the hooded evil friar looking dudes. Now, as she gets caught by these guys, we happen to see one that has his hood off and he is very uh, classically 90s TV handsome. Oh, like, okay. So bad. Yeah, I'm like, yep, <laughs> you you, you were called 90s heartthrob at some point in your career. Or so. Like the, the, the heavy, like highlighted, the sh- not, those weren't highlights, those were streaks. Yeah, it was, I was going to say it's almost frosted. <laughs> yeah. This, this was pre-frost, no, pre-like frosted shortcut hair. This is like ear length, you know, streaky, streaky, like sun in, you know, type of a blonde highlight. But we see his face and homegirl is carted back to, you know, where she ran from. So uh, we get our awesome intro. I love the Buffy intro. We talk Me about too. it often, but it's a great intro. It's a really great intro. So, Whoever skips through it. Whoever skips through it, nobody. The second it comes on, you're like, yeah. I don't, I don't either. I do not skip. I sing I with not. it. Dun, <laughs> I'm <humming>. dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. Yes. <laughs> so after the intro, we get to uh, the next scene. We're in the school and it's Buffy and Willow walking down the steps and Buffy is recanting to Willow uh, her latest angel wet dream, essentially. That's what I wrote down. Angel wet dream. That <laughs> It I liked. Really, I liked when she asked her what what happened, and she was like, "Stuff." <laughs> yes. Like, yes, we understand stuff. We understand the translation. Thank you. <laughs> we do. We do. And this episode, really, it's a side quest episode. Nothing truly happens, but I think. Well, I struggle calling this a side quest because, yes, it's more of a monster of the week. It doesn't push the story forward, but it does really in hindsight, set up something very, very important that happens in like three or four episodes after this. And it kind of heightens the relationship between Buffy and Angel. I think uh, this episode is the, not, I won't say the first, but it's one of the more uh, substantive episodes when it comes to the relationship and setting that, you know, whole thing up. Uh, but yeah, so Angel and, well, I'm sorry, not Angel and Buffy, but Buffy and Willow were talking about it and you know, the relationship, the dream and things, and, you know, the problem between Buffy and Angel is the fact that Angel is a vampire, Buffy's the vampire slayer, you know, diametrically opposed, you know, they should not be a thing, but yet here they are, you know, they have this relationship, and, you know, she's torn between that, you know, age gap aside, we'll talk about that a lot this episode, age gaps. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, uh, you know, like she feels a lot for him, and she's a sixteen-year-old kid. You know, she she's she's love struck. She's head over heels with this guy, and he is the quintessential bad guy. Like he is a vampire. So I love uh, that though. She... And that's it's such a great setup. And you know, we talk sometimes too a lot about tropes, and you see them more in horror type things. And sometimes they work, and sometimes they don't. And this is one of the scenarios where I have never been a star-crossed lovers type i'm actually i'm all about the enemies to lovers if we're going for for romance like hate each other at first please please i love the enemies to lovers but these two the forbidden love and the star cross lovers thing like even even i still feel i can still feel that i think that's part of the reason why i tuned in twilight when i was in my my early 30s was because Mm -hmm. I remember the intensity of that emotion, of that first love, of that, just how overwhelming it was. And I think one of the best instances where I've seen it realized, especially teenage affection and this kind of thing where it feels life and death was Buffy and Angel. This is, this is it. This is the romance here that if you're an adolescent, it's, it's the one. It is, it is. And there's a line coming up in like the next scene. <laughs> I, I, I wrote down that like, oh, girl, really? <laughs> I, ha- I know, I think I know which one you're talking about because I had it written on one of my book covers in high school. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was, when I was watching it, Mike came in and I said it before <laughs> she did and he goes, really? <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Oh, I can't wait for that part now. All right. So, so after uh, that scene, uh, my notes say Cordy's getting groomed. 
we go to Cordy, and Cordy is talking to uh, her friend on, on the stairwell about how to get older guys and how older guys are better than you know high school kids. Something I definitely heard in high school. Uh, if um, this, yeah, something like high school girls love older guys. Like, girl, you're being groomed, but you know, it's true. You, Listen, I'm we, guilty of it too. I was the same way. I liked guys who were in their 30s when I was in high school. I thought those were like the perfect yeah. age. Until now, I'm like, oh, I actually like guys my age now. I finally caught up. <laughs> you know, when you know better, you do better. Yes, but yes. Cordy is going on and on about you know how to laugh at their jokes, you know, look at them seriously, intently, and laugh at their, <laughs> yes, and laugh when, you know, when they say things, and so we see Cordy talking to her new potential beau, who is the streaky, you know, frat boy douche that we saw in the very beginning of the episode, so this is not a whodunit, we know who the bad guys are right up front, so uh, straight to the chase, so Cordy is talking to the douchey guy, and of course, Xander, Buffy, and Willow are off on the steps somewhere in front of the school talking. And the douchey guy, ignoring the beautiful Cordelia in front of him, looks at the blonde across the way and says, hey, who's your friend? Now, again, douche guy. Cordy and Buffy are not beside each other. There was no further communication. He just saw another girl like, hey, who's your friend? Like, just assuming that they're actually friends. <laughs> <laughs> and Cordy kind of like flips the script a little bit like oh that girl I don't know her and when he asked about it, like oh yeah she's cool that's like we're like sisters she's like a sister <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes so there's another frat guy that is in you know the car with you know the douchey frat guy that we've seen earlier and uh Cordy goes grab goes goes to grab Buffy drags her over you no know, begrudgingly and douchey frat guy number one starts a conversation with her in a very douchey way and Buffy, being who she is, completely turns about like, uh, no, oh, I'm not that interested. Was such a great moment. She was like, have, she basically, how about known him? <laughs> Pretty much. Like, Just like, I'm <laughs> so not interested in you or any of your hair or or what you've got going on over there. It was great. Right. Absolutely. But here comes, no, I'm going to call him the scrub because he's like in the best friend's ride in the passenger side. So. Oh, I love you so much. <laughs> yes. Plus, I hated this guy immediately. Because you know better. You know better. Uh, age guys, for those who are younger, getting older works. Because you can see through bullshit yes. <laughs> so much. So great. So, not only do you see through it, you will not tolerate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, douche number one has a very douchey begin. Like, hey, trying to kind of flirt with Buffy to get it comes to this party. The other guy who is smarter says, hey, you know, yeah, he's a douche. You know, I'm sorry. I'm so-and-so, so-and-so. So he goes the whole, you know, I'm not like the other guys guy, but he really is like one of the other guys. So it is very much, hey, like good cop, bad cop, but far more insidious. So Buffy is completely rejected, you know, repulsed rather by the first one, but the scrub comes about and he's like, hey, you know, you know, starts kind of sweet talking her in a very uh, unassuming, beguiling way. Like, hey, I'm an over-talker. I talk a lot. You know, I'm sorry. You know, he's a douche. We're all not the same. You know, it's nice to meet you. You know, the... the, the yeah, you're rolling with him in the same car. But he, pull, he pulls it off. He pulls it off enough that she's... And she's also in this place with Angel where she's like... Right. She wants to be with him, but she can't be with him. And she has all this pressure. And yeah, Buffy's, Buffy's torn in many directions. So I completely understand why she's kind of looking at this guy like... Well, maybe, but she still doesn't dive right in. She doesn't. She does not. But we find out that while we know Buffy's a sophomore in high school, so Buffy is 16. This guy is a junior in college, putting him right Ew. around 21. That so, means he that man can go to jail for touching her. And he can also buy alcohol. So 16 and 21. Yes, ew. Ew. For Thank shame. You. Thank but, you. This was completely okay in the context of 1997. I, yeah. <laughs> when you know better, you do better. But she's, you know, they're having a conversation about, you know, what they're doing in school, things like that. And, you know, he he plays a pretty small, like, okay, you know, great. I'll talk to you later. You know, have a great day. And Buffy kind of eats it up because, as you said, you know, she's in this weird place with Angel where he's a vampire. I can't talk to him. Here's this guy who's not horrible, who's showing me interest, and he has a pulse. 
he's also really pale. He is pale. He's like, but Angel's like nice pale. This guy's like pasty pale. I don't like Like, him. Like iron deficiency pale. Yes! (laughs) Yeah. Like, like, I feel like his hands are cold and clammy. (laughs) Very much so. Very, very much so. I agree with that. So another thing that, you know, I noticed in this particular scene fashion-wise, what the hell is Xander wearing? Oh my gosh, I don't know. I feel like, like I had this whole episode with him though. This is wild. Yes, it was so disheveled. And I remember this kind of like 90s thing, you know, wear these clashing, you know, garish colors together. Like you don't really care and it's kind of cool. Uh, he has on like this brownish green plaid pant and this horribly wrinkled oversized linen lime green shirt that's like one button so it's the whole like disheveled i really don't care what i look like just going out of bed type of thing but i'm like wow like when did this ever work like this outfit was terrible it didn't it didn't work even then and that's one of the weird things about like willow is obviously not stylish willow but willow is willow Mm-hmm. And she wears what works for her. And we see that as the seasons come on and they reflect her personality. Xander's, I think, also do though. He has bad fashion sense, but he tries too hard. He, he I think, I feel like part of it is that he's trying to look kind of, kind of like, I didn't really put a lot of thought to this and I'm just right, kind of, right. kind of, kind of cool, but he really put a lot of, puts a lot of thought into his clothes. And I don't know if that's true or not, but that is the feeling that I get from it because so often I have the exact reaction that you did. What is he wearing today? Yes, like this is does just he have a, My mother would say, does that man have a mirror in his house? <laughs> <laughs> yes, but it was terrible. So the very next scene, we are, we're now talking to Giles and Giles has noticed yet again, ominous, you know, thing. Sunnydale is quiet. What's going on? You know, this is the time that we should be practicing and patrolling even harder and honing our skills. And Buffy's like, hey, it's quiet. You know, let me live right. a little bit. Yeah. Exactly. Because so Buffy, you know, the big uh, dichotomy of this series is that this young girl has the weight of the world on her shoulders. So it's quiet and sunny down. She's 16. She wants to, you know, have fun and relax and watch movies with her, with her friends and not have to worry about saving and patrolling and uh fighting tactics so uh giles you know implores her to practice and he tries to attack her in practicing and she makes short order of giles because you know she's a slayer and he is a librarian so uh what happens next after this scene i think um oh yeah he tells her that she must she must do all these things and she gives him the pouty face which was great also at this point Buffy is wearing what she's starting to switch into a little more she has her hair back up into the twist which Mm -hmm. I love that look and I used to do that look and I totally stole it from her but it was a hairstyle that I could actually do so I was very proud of myself but that and then she's wearing the lace top and it goes all the way down to her arms it's this like cream colored so it's a little bit risque, but she's completely covered and everything is actually mm-hmm. hidden. And then she has cow print pants on, which now are no good. But then they were the bomb and they look amazing on her. <laughs> so she's Mom. she's sitting there giving Giles the mm, pouty face and Giles like that won't work on me. It so works on him. <laughs> it definitely works on him. It works on him. So now I think the very next scene we now see, you know, we're back to the culty guys. So the culty frat, we're in their basement, and there is some weird ritual going on where they're kind of indoctrinating a new person. So fun fact, the actor that is being in, um, being uh, initiated into the group, he's like a famous, I can't think of his name right now, look him up, but he he's a big actor. Uh, if you ever watched oh, the Kobe. show. It's Kobe Bell. Yeah. It's yeah. Kobe Bell. Okay, so I was looking down, taking my notes. I, I literally have it written here. Kobe Bell, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I know that guy. Yeah, okay. I recognized his voice. And I I loved the show Bird Notice. And he was on that for a while. And he mm-hmm. was on a few episodes of Archer, which I love. But he's he's wonderful. And he is a beautiful man. But he is just a puppy here. That too, yeah. And you barely <laughs> see him. You mostly just see his profile. 
Mm -hmm. and and you hear him say a few words. I'm like, I know that voice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> See, I actually recognize the face. Like, yeah, you're on the game. There's some other stuff, but yeah, I remember yeah, him. Yeah, he is yes. lovely. So I think that's the like, only time we see him the whole episode. It is, it is. So there's this huge, you know, uh, clandestine event, you know, uh, ritual of induction into the society. And after it's all over, it becomes like a frat boy kegger, which is so weird. You know, the comedy of Joss Whedon taking something very strange and kind of weird and then juxtaposing it to something that's pretty, you know, tame. So, of course, you know, the bears come out there chugging and we do see uh, douchey guy number one, Cordy's love interest, who with the uh, the girl that was captured earlier in the episode. So, good thing is she's still alive, but she's been recaptured and she's down in the trenches uh, waiting for something bad to happen. But she's not dead yet. Not dead yet. So that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Uh, then I think the next thing we Ooh, see... Graveyard. Graveyard. With We're back Angel. in the graveyard. Yeah. Buffy is doing her patrolling thing and she sees Angel in the graveyard. Now she happens to see Angel while she's picking up something off the ground. And it seems like a piece of a necklace or a bracelet of some sort where most of it's kind of off. And we hear Angel's voice saying, there's blood on that. And you know, she pops up, she sees Angel. And she's like, I don't see blood. He said, well, I can smell it. Blood is on it. And they're having a conversation. Now, earlier in the episode, when Buffy was talking to Willow, uh, Willow proposed to Buffy that she should ask Angel out for coffee. It's not a date. You know, it's something that you guys can grab a cup of coffee at night to kind of make it, you know, it's it's not a major... But it's also, yeah, but it's also not stepping away. It's stepping away from them being out looking for monsters together because that's all they right. do at this point. She wants to do right. something that isn't slaying with the sexy vampire. Yes. And she's not ready for a date yet because <laughs> she's scared of that, which is actually very mature and reasonable. It is. It is. It is. So... They had this conversation. Uh, it's kind of it starts out. It's a bicker. No, it's a, it's a it's a yeah. light argument. Um, it's a medium argument. Uh, essentially, Buffy is like, you know, um, Angel actually kind of calls her out, like, "Hey, you want to go get coffee or something? Like, we can do that." And Buffy's kind of flabbergasted, like, "No, I don't want to do that." You know, you're a vampire. You know, and we actually get the age difference again. I'm 16. You're 241 years old. You know, and they're going back and forth, and. This is the line I was referring to. <laughs> so <laughs> let's see this. Heather, I'll, I'll be I'll be Angel and you'll be Buffy. <laughs> okay. This is my so, favorite game ever now. <laughs> so I'm gonna read this line and and, and uh, Heather's gonna be uh, is gonna be Buffy. So I'm Angel. This isn't some fairy tale when I kiss you, you don't wake up from a deep sleep. No, when you kiss me, I wanna die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I'm like, girl, really? <laughs> like, yes. It's, it's, oh, it's so much drama. It's so intense. It is. <laughs> but it's so cheesy. Like, oh, girl. Oh, you you child. You, you child. I will tell you what, though. Clearly, I have carried that with me for decades. <laughs> it worked on me. You know, I it totally nailed my little freaking adolescent heart. <laughs> And I can see how that Apparently works. I felt it too. <laughs> like I, I was watching this episode and I said that. I said, oh my God. Like adult Mark laughed at that. Like, really? Really, girl? Get to ass down someplace. It is. You are a hundred percent right. It's so cheesy. I still love it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but it is. It's... <laughs> Okay, I'm laughing so hard, I'm crying. <laughs> yes, but it was like, oh God. Like, and I, I can just imagine younger people watching this, like, oh my God, that's so deep. And it just pant and adult, like, nah, it's not. But <laughs> okay, so wait, my my <laughs> my note underneath that quote is bloody hell that created so many problems for me as a young girl. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. <laughs> oh man so so uh, yeah they they so they have this whole bickering back and forth they're not really sure what they're doing they kind of end it at an impasse buffy takes the locket 
she's going to bring it to Giles to let him know because she's still responsible Buffy, even though she doesn't want to be responsible. Mm-hmm. But I think she yeah. runs into Cordy on the way there. I think she does. I think she does run into Cordy on the way there. So we get to the library. She hands off the necklace to Giles. And of course, Giles starts looking at his thing and, you know, doing the, the watcher research librarian thing. Now, Cordy now grabs Buffy because Cordy, it's been related to Cordy, um, to Cordy that, hey, bring your friend to our frat party by her love interest. And Cordy essentially grabs Buffy, like, hey, we're going to this party. And if you don't go, I can't go. So you must go with me. We're going together because I need you to be there so I can get in. So I love that she doesn't sugarcoat it either. She's like, these are rich guys. And I'm not shallow at all. But I mean, these are rich guys. <laughs> I'm not shallow. Yes. Cordy <laughs> is much like every other episode she's in. She is stealing, you know, scenes, you know. Where I can't go and like every line was gold from Court. I could easily quote like every line she had in this in this particular episode. They all were fantastic. But you know, she's just Cordy's being Cordy, which means she's being awesome. You know, every line is hilarious in, in this particular episode. But uh she's she tells Buffy, like, yeah, hey, um, I need you to go. So you're going with me, and that's it. So Buffy's still kind of love lorn about Angel being a 16-year-old girl, so she wants to go to a party. But she has duties being a slayer. So she lies to Giles. Giles wants her to go, you know, patrolling because, hey, something's weird going on. And uh, she tells Giles, hey, my mom is sick. So, you know, I want to really, you know, spend time with her tonight, you know, so I can do some, you know, patrolling earlier and a little bit later. But for the bulk of the night, I'll be with my mom. And Giles being the, you know, reasonable person like okay you know that 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 means a lot so stick with your mom okay prior to that though xander knows that she's actually going to go to the frat party so xander tries to talk her out of it because not only is he always trying to talk her out of angel he's gonna try and talk her out of any guy which i am so sick of at this point i literally (laughs) just want to i want to kick him in his nuts i just want to with my (laughs) the heel of my foot and all my might just back kick him like like a cat knocking the door like Nyeh. yes exactly like that but, but but i will give xander this much and as selfish as he is when it comes to buffy stuff and as irrational as he behaves he does shut up when she's lying to giles and doesn't out her yes so there is some bro code there or teenage Minimal. code teenage <laughs> code yeah 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 right there but that's that's it so i think afterwards they walk out and that's when Xander kind of just unleashes Angel blah 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 the new guy blah 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 and he is not happy about her going to the party and he keeps every everything she says he basically bites at her mm-hmm. right. and then they run into Cordy and he he probably calls Cordy a hoe in so many words yes yeah yes. yeah I mean it's the, it's the regular Xander Cordy banter back and forth um, but yeah, he he goes a little below the belt, a little bo- below the belt with it. But but he's he's basically having a total total meltdown over this. He so is, I think the next the next scene we come to is Cordy and Buffy driving there. Which, yes, they are. If we remember, I think it was season one where Cordy went blind for a little while. She was in her driver's training class. She crashed the car. But apparently blindness was not the only reason that Cordy is a bad driver. So yeah, Cordy's a terrible ass driver. <laughs> blindness or, or or not, she just can't drive. So they both get to the party and in true Cordy fashion, they walk through the door and Cordy's like, okay, you're here, I'm here, I'm gone now, bye. And she ditches Buffy in like no form. time flat. Yeah. Bad form. Really bad form, but you know, it's Cordy. It is to be expected. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Buffy is in this party. I'm trying did Cordy get her a drink? Did someone give her a drink? I think someone gave a- her a drink. I think yeah. I th- I think one of the I think it might have been the douchey guy that handed her one initially. Mm-hmm. Um and I think it's gin because she has an olive in it, I'm guessing at this point. Yeah. But but she's she's drinking. And I think this is interesting too, because it's one of the first times where you see Buffy looking insecure and uncomfortable mm-hmm. and out of place she looks like a normal girl there's also a few girls in the background that have velvet dresses on which 
Oh my God, reminded me how much I loved velvet skirts and dresses in the late 90s. <laughs> yes, and also this reminds me, Cordy. Cordy is giving you a very, very 90s uh, Asian-inspired sateen, like satin, you know, dress. Like very cherry blossoms, very uh, Asian cut, uh, no collar, short sleeves. Not a kimono. I can't think of this the exact silhouette of this dress, but if you think of Think of Chun Li from Street Fighter minus, you know, the, the super thighs, but that that type of the, the cut and silhouette of that top, that's what Cordy has on. And a very like pretty lavender satin dress. Like this was this dress style was everywhere in the late 90s. Like all girls like wore yeah. something along this line. But uh she has that on very pretty dress. But Cordy ditches Buffy. Buffy has a drink. Actually, I think one of the pledges, the pledges of this way at Fred are dressed as women and yeah, they're, they're the servers. One. So they're handing out hors d'oeuvres and drinks to people. So Buffy's walk like looking around and she feels like a fish out of water. You know, she's not, you know, this is uncomfortable for her. What I will notice, what I did notice that, no, she smells her drink and she's like, no, I'm not doing it. So she sits it down, which we all know ladies in a frat party, never sit your never drink down. Never set your drink down. Mm-mm. Never, never. Ever, ever. Anywhere set your drink down. I mean, frat boys- a friend. And- or you keep it in your hand. Yes. Frat boys in the 2000s are horrible, but not as bad as frat boys in the 90s. <laughs> yeah. Even worse back then. So, now she sits the drink down. And from across the room, uh, a really bro drunk, like, big Donkey Kong-looking motherfucker. No! He's, <laughs> I, he's love Buffy. <laughs> I love you. I love you. I love you. You see these guys the same way I do, because I think guys like this just look like Cro-Magnum men. They're so unattractive to me, and women think they're so good-looking, and I'm like, ew, ew, ew. They're just uh, foreheads. They're all foreheads to me. <laughs> like, he looks like he doesn't wash his ass. Like, wiping yes! at the shit is, like, gay to him. That, that, that's what he gives. Like, oh my God. Like, when someone walks past you, they have a wind. Like, I know his wind smells <laughs> terrible. I just know. But, you know, he's Bada. drunk. And she sees, and he locks eyes with Buffy from across the room. So he's like, hey, pretty lady. And he's burrowing towards her. And Buffy is dead in his sights. And here comes uh, the scrub from early in the episode. He literally pulls her out of the way and Buffy is quote unquote saved by this guy from interacting with, uh, you know, the oh, yeah, he, he totally white knighted his way in there. He did, so- he did. Which feels also planned and calculated. Like this guy reminds me of the big bad from Enough, that JLo movie. Yes! Like, oh, he totally gives that, 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 that vibe. Like, He's, I can't say love bombing because it's not like they had a lot of time, but he's definitely the white knight, no, good guy. Yeah, he's totally feeding off the bad energy the rest of these douchebags are putting off and he's pretending to be this way. He's like, you used the perfect term earlier. He's insidious about it. You can, mm-hmm. of course, us as the viewers, we have information that Buffy doesn't have. So we right. know, we don't know how bad he is. Is he really just there as the guy who's, who's you know there because his dad told him he had to join the frat ah uh, you can't you can't know what's going on here and 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 be oblivious to it you've, you've got demon worshipers downstairs and you've captured a girl he's got to know yeah. what's going on yeah exactly exactly and i think thus far we have not seen him in the insidious you know things so if you don't have a you know an eye of discernment You'll think, oh, maybe he's just, you know, you will kind of buy into the, I'm just a good guy, you know, here. We've definitely seen, you know, the, the, the pretty boy. We've seen him, you know, he's been downstairs, you know, we see how he's been acting. But so far, we have not gotten into really how, you know, insidious this particular character is. But uh, he takes Buffy away, they're talking and everything, and uh, Buffy feels a little bit more comfortable. And she actually starts to drink now. So she's now drinking the drink that she had earlier. At first, she kind of put it off, but now she's she's loosening up. So she's drinking. Yeah, uh, she's, I the, think she I think she even essentially says, "Forget about responsibility" or something along those lines. Right, right. But she consciously uh, the, makes the choice to say, "Forget about it." Yes. So in the meantime, we now see Xander in the corner. He sneaks in through a window, and he is now at the party. Now, I don't understand. Now, 
Xander's fashion choice is better than previously, but he now looks like a 40-year-old dad on the weekend. And you look like, like Steve Carell. That's what I was thinking from the 40-year-old version. So you were right does. where I was. Does. He has this red polo that's tucked into some slacks. Yep. You know, hair Even the hair. Up. Right. Sandbags. So, yeah, so it is very, very preppy, I guess, to fit in with the fret. But it's like, you look like someone's dad. You look like an investment banker right now, Xander. Like, it's it's so awkward. It's so awkward. But, you know, he's mixing and schnoozing in the party. You know, he meets, um, he's grabbing hors d'oeuvres from the pledges. And uh, he's now talking up with the ladies. Now, if you've ever been to a frat party, essentially, in most cases, at least the, the frat party trope is that the only men there are the men who are in the frat. Not just in the frat, but are in the higher echelons of the frat. They're upperclassmen. And all the women there are for them to, you know, per- pursue. So we have the Cro-Magnon and the, another, you know, no-name frat kid in the corner. And they see Xander like, hey, who is that guy? We don't know him. He's not here. So they scream new pledge and they kind of bum rush Xander and forcibly put him in women's clothes. Lipstick and a bra. And a giant a, bra. Yeah. A wig. And all types of, you know, shenanigans. So that's what happens to Xander. Now, Buffy is now essentially drunk at this point. You know, she, yeah. she homegirl is gone. Stumbly. She's stumbly and which she shouldn't be from one drink. So immediately mm-hmm. my thought is, oh, her drink was spiked. And of I didn't course. remember this part specifically. And then I watched her stumble up the stairs, which this part, this is kind of a little too realistic, actually. It, Absolutely. It, Absolutely. It, it, it upset me. I've, I've actually been roofied before. Um, I was, I was the driver that night. So I had one shot when I got to the club we were at and I had one drink after that. And then we were there for like three hours. So I was not drunk and it didn't hit me probably because I was dancing all night. I drove everybody home. And then by the time I got home, I remember nothing for about 15 hours. Mm. I was at home and I slept and especially I, I have insomnia. So like, I don't, I don't sleep. I, I sleep for a few hours at a time. I wake up if I do. And I was way worse when I was younger. But then I was sick the next day, but I literally blacked out. And that was the first time. There was one other time I was too. But at that time I was 19 years old. So, and I didn't really know what happened even afterwards. I talked to people and they're like, oh no, you were fine. You had blah, blah, blah. But I had set my drink down mm-hmm. on the counter to turn around and talk to people. So it'd been very easy for someone to slip that in there. But I, I've known exactly what happens to Buffy in this scenario I've known that this I've known women that have had this happen to them before Buffy's drunk or she thinks she's drunk and she knows that she needs to get away from all the people and just kind of let it ride essentially so she climbs up stumbles up the stairs and she just is looking for a quiet space to sit she finds a bedroom And what looks better to you when you're literally having the world spin around you? So she falls onto the bed and she closes her eyes. It's creepy. It is creepy. Like this episode is kind of silly. It's ridiculous. It's over the top. And then you suddenly have this moment. It feels very out of place. I'm like, do you really know what he was doing here? Because I feel like Mm. maybe he's been the creeper that's done this shit. Because this is way too fucking on point. Listen. (laughs) <laughs> not to draw unnecessary parallels because it's very true bill cosby joked about roofing people years before we found out that he was actually roofing people you know true <laughs> there, there there's a there's a hint of you know uh truth in 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 most jokes so yeah. art imitating life or life imitating art you know you make your decision there but yeah this was very realistic you know uh compromised buffy you know woozing and you know kind of uh wobbly through the halls going to a bedroom just for some quiet time and she lays down she she she's like incapacitated at this point uh well actually before we well we're going to find a little bit so while she's there douchey guy number one mr mcstreaky uh he sees buffy in the room and you know he goes to touch her and 
uh, the scrub is like, no, you don't do that. You know, this is for the master. This isn't for you. The other one, talking about Cordy, is as well. So if up until this point, you had the best intentions for the scrub, all that shit's out the window now. We now know that, you know, he is a part of this insidious, you know, creepy. He's upper level management bad. of the bad guy. Exactly. Yeah. So now we know what's going on. So we're going to flash back over to the library where uh, Giles and Willow are doing research on the piece of the bracelet uh, that Buffy saw earlier in the episode from Angel. So they're piecing things together and they find out that uh, a part of it, it goes to a special like kind of private preparatory school that's on the outskirts of Sunnydale. And they find out this from this particular school and they find that a girl has been missing from that school. So now Giles is like, okay, so this is a problem. This is something weird. Let's get Buffy. Willow covers for Buffy saying, hey, Buffy's at home for sick mom when Buffy's at the party getting roofied. Now, <laughs> uh, so, but Giles, yes. Yes, Giles tells, you know, Willow, like, hey, that's a good point. We don't want to take away from that. Let's, where does she find this at? And Willow's like, oh, she found it in the cemetery. And let's call, you know, Angel and see what Angel has to say about because he was there when, she, when he found it. Still covering for Buffy. So a couple of lines, things happen. We find out that the girl that is missing is not the only person that was missing. There was another girl missing a, exactly a year to the day ago. And they're finding this pattern of girls going missing around the same time. So now this is a full-on situation. And uh, Willow's like, let's let's call Angel. Let's not call Buffy. Let's call Angel. And let's get him in on it to get the help to see what's going on. There's also so, no proof at this point that there's anything supernatural connected to these, these missing people, which Giles points out, which is, which is a good point. Yes. Yes. So this is just like you're playing regular murderer type of situation and not anything supernatural per se. So now we find out uh, with well, with uh, Angel involved, hey, Buffy found this near the frat house that was on the other side of the cemetery. It's right near there. And now it's like Willow's like, oh shit. <laughs> you know, Buffy's at the frat house, you know, to a party. The, the frat is maybe related to the situation. So she now has to come clean. This is my and, favorite part of the episode, by the way. <laughs> yes. So right now it's Willow and essentially with the two most important men in Buffy's life that we know of, Giles and Angel. And Willow comes clean like, hey, Buffy's at a party. You know, this is what the problem is. And she could be in danger now because, you know, it's all related. Giles asked, did she lie to me? Angel asks, did she have a date? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's like, and, and she comes in with, no, 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 no. You don't get to ask these questions. You brushed her off and you work her way too hard. All she does is work school and train. This is your fault that she lied to both of you. Now you both need to fix it. Yes. And then storms off. We all need a willow in our lives, okay? Yes. As if, if yes. you don't have a willow in your corner, I feel for you. You've done something wrong in life. You have bad karma. But we all need a willow. We I have all... a willow. My willow is my Katie. And she listens to our show. So Katie, I love awesome. you. You're my willow. Hey, Katie. <laughs> I have, honestly, I have many willows. I have a great group of friends. Like, I, I yeah, yeah you, you talk to people who lose friends along the way, like, during life. Like, we're really close to me, follow up. I can say, like, my closest friends, I've we've been friends for at this point, the average, like 15, 20 years. Yeah. There are some longer than that. And I'm I'm only 38. Like I have childhood friends that we still, you know, talk to and like I, I have I love my circle. So if you're in the circle, you know who you are, you listen. I appreciate it. And some of my friends do listen too. So thank y'all. But yes, it's 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 great. If you, you need a willow, if you don't have a willow, get you one as soon or as or be the willow. You be the willow. You be the willow you want in the world. <laughs> yeah, and you find a Buffy because Buffy and Willow, that's one of the one of the things that I, I I think I actually get into this in Halloween more is how much I love how much they support each other in the most 
kind and an unasking way possible. Those two are just, oh, I love them. Yes, indeed. So we're now, they're now en route to the Fred house. Where uh, Buffy and Cordy are now chained up in the basement with the other girl. And uh-huh. I think Cordy pretty much just goes, this is all your fault. I don't even want to come here. <laughs> yes. yes. She completely absolves herself from all wrongdoing. This is Buffy's oh, fault. This is, oh, you know, something that she did. It's wrong. Uh, it's all Buffy, Buffy, Buffy. But, you know, of course, you know, Cordy dragged her here. Cordy, you know, dragged the guy, well, her to the guy. It's it's really all Cordy's fault. We all know that, but that's kind of the comedy in the situation. Cordy blaming everyone but herself. But, so, they're all chained up. And now we finally see, you know, creepy scrub guy. He is now, you know, with the 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 crew and he has his shirt off he has there's all types of special scarring on his back yeah it's now really icky. it is and we're talking to um the uh first captured girl the girl from the beginning of the episode and she's talking to buffy and, and uh cordy and she's telling them like hey look out for that one you know he seems really nice but he's not you know you have to watch out for that one and we kind of see, yeah. yeah, he's the worst. Like we get the idea is, oh, so he's the bait. He's the one that plays the odds to get the girls there. You know, at least some of them, because honestly, Cordy bought the the rich, you know, chiseled chiseled chin, you know, frat boy. She was hook, line, and sinker. But for the more tougher, you know, prey, quote unquote, you know, they called the big guns. You know, the guy with the with, you know the quote-unquote more sensitive, you know, way of going about things. So we kind of find out that's how the first girl got there, and that's also how Buffy got there, too, falling for this situation. So he's in charge. You know, they start doing a weird chant, and it's when we finally see the reptile boy. The reptile (laughs) boy (laughs) from the episode, essentially very much a Medusa-esque, you know, large, you know, basilisk type of, you know, creature. This is, and this is, this might be the first one that we see in the series, but this is not going to be the last one. Joss Whedon is obsessed with snake-like creatures and people amalgamations. They happen throughout the entire series. (laughs) Yes. So, Buffy is not struggling to get away while this thing, you know, is out. And, um, homeboy scrub he threatens buffy like if you you don't speak to the you know to the the snake god i'll slit your throat so he's threatening him uh now upstairs everyone's getting kicked off the party hey the party's over uh xander is outside you know hey you know i had a friend here where are they you know i had friends here i, I didn't see them leave are they still here you know he gets shooed away he he leaves as he's leaving he sees cordy's jeep out back so he knows, okay, they're still here. Now, we flash over to Giles and Angel and Willow. They're outside the Fred house. And now they're like, hey, you know, what, you know, they're in there somewhere. Let's go get them. Uh, Xander, who now gets out of the dress, he's now in one of the robes that we saw earlier in the episode. Which props to Xander on that one. That was clever thinking. Yep. He said he found this robe. He was going to try to get in to see if Buffy, you know, if Buffy and Cordy are down there and try to, you know, fix this situation. So they burst in. The fight ensues. Angel is, you know, vamping out. Mad. He is very mad. Very, very mad. He he felt that Buffy was in danger and he completely, you know, lost it. So he's fighting. Xander's fighting. Um, Giles is fighting. Willow gets in, she goes downstairs and she sees, okay, Giant Snake, Cordy, Buffy, in danger. Get your asses downstairs. So, uh, fight ensues. Buffy gets free and just, you know, it's a it's a basic fight scene. Nothing, yeah. so nothing, you know, spectacular, nothing horrible. Decently choreographed. Uh, Buffy gets free, takes the huge sword that uh, Scrub Guy threatened to slit her throat with. And she dispatches of the snake of the reptile boy. Reptile boy, which she calls him at some point. I think that's when he yes. tells her. I think that's when he tells her that he, she can't talk to him. Right. I think that's what she did. I think she called him reptile boy. Either way, it was it was usually her zingers are pretty solid. This one, 
was also very cringy. I was like, oh, that soda doesn't belong there. No, don't do that again. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, Reptile Boy is dispatched of, and what we do find out in the course of this fight is that the fret was sacrificing young girls to this reptile, you know, demon to kind of uh, promote and to elongate their wealth. So everyone who was a part of the fret, you know, they were uh, leaders of industry, big money, you know, things. So this, which sounds like, I'm pretty sure this actually happens in real life. I was going to say the same thing. I said, my note was this explains so much about rich people in corporate bastards that's what it says yes. i think it says bastards. someone is sacrificing <laughs> children in a basement someplace for for a monetary gain i'm i'm certain of it unfortunately but that's their whole spiel you know this fret is very rich and prominent because they sacrificed girls to this demon thingy now she kills the demon thingy uh the head of the frets are still around like they're they're still alive and they kind of get carted upstairs to go to the police station which i'm like huh don't know how that's going to work, are, guys. Yeah, what exactly are they going? I was wondering, I'm like, what are they going to the police station for? Because they can't say, hey, they kidnapped all of us to give us to this monster under here. Are you going right. to kill them, the monster? Like, how did that exactly go down? So this off-screen explanation doesn't really exist, but. It doesn't. It doesn't. But we flash to the end of the episode where we're at the bronze. The bronze, which, if you're keeping score, is a music venue, nightclub bar underage bar and now a fucking coffee house <laughs> yeah yeah it's turned into a coffee house oh yeah and this is where we host school dances too school dance exactly. auditorium <laughs> oh if you thought the angel grove juice bar was multi-purpose and power rangers baby it has nothing <laughs> on the bronze <laughs> it doesn't i think so, we should open our own mark <laughs> we will <laughs> we will be sued within three hours (laughs) absolutely absolutely small tangent small tangent so there used to be an 18 and over club in baltimore called club voltage it was attached to a best western right which was very near a travel plaza if you if you're if you're from baltimore you know exactly what i'm talking about but it was open like i would say i was last there 15 years ago like eat longer than that oh god great I was in my twenties, so and it was it wasn't around for a very long time because it's like eighteen and over, and they couldn't keep the kids from drinking, so they and they shut it down. So it has reopened, rebranded. And that was called like the Safari Club, <laughs> and I was there last weekend for a day party for like uh, my cousin had his had his fiftieth. He had a day party there, and I'm like walking around like I remember when this place used to be, you know, something different. <laughs> there were children <laughs> running around. With alcohol, I'm like, yeah, I don't like it here. I'm not going to stay here much longer. You know, back then, great venue now. But I could just imagine the uh, if we opened the bronze, it'll be something very similar to that. Like, it would be yes. very short-lived. Yes. Well, and it's true. You can't eat. That's why they. we had a few here, too. Most mm-hmm. of them, most of them were dance clubs. Um, and there was even a couple that was 21 and, and under. But that didn't work out either. None of those stayed open. I went to some of the 21 and unders just because I wanted to go dancing. I didn't really mm-hmm. drink until I was probably like 19, really. So that was never a big deal to me. I just wanted to go dance. But there was a lot of drinking still going on, even in the 21 and under clubs. Right. Yeah, like- I can't imagine 18 and up. You can't. There, It's too easy. Like, no, you no, it's bad. Yeah. The, a place like the bronze could not exist in 2023 it just it it, it could not it could not, not even in small town 12 cemetery factory <laughs> big bad vampire hellmouth city sunnydale nope. no no not at it. all yes but we're at the bronze we're at the coffee shop part of the <laughs> coffee shop runs and it's a coffee shop runs in the next episode as well yes <laughs> So, you know, of course, these kids are drinking coffee in a pitch black club. Like, it's, it does, the more you think about it, the more crazy it is. Like, it has been nine o'clock at night. And but we have Jonathan, little Jonathan. We, we saw him oh, yeah, a couple episodes ago. Yep, Jonathan's yeah, we, back. We get Jonathan back, little geeky Jonathan. And he is bringing a muffin and a huge cappuccino to Cordy. 
in, in true Cordy fashion, she's making him recant her order. And like, you got it wrong. So she grabs the muffin and makes him go back to the counter to get a new coffee. I think extra foam. Her yeah, coffee was missing foam. extra She made foam. him figure out where he messed up on his own. It was really, it was really dark parenting. <laughs> yes. So <laughs> Buffy is walking past a table that has uh, Willow, Xander, and Angel are at the table. And Buffy, and I, I don't think Buffy's at the table. It's just Willow, Xander, and Angel. And yeah, Cordy so. walks yeah, Cordy walks past and she exclaims, you know, younger guys are the way to go. You gotta get a younger guy. As opposed to early in the episode, she's like, you gotta get an older guy. Older guy's the way to go. So she's learned her lesson as far, as much as Cordy can learn a lesson. Okay. <laughs> so uh, here we also find out that after the destruction of the monster, uh, Xander's reading the newspaper and he's exclaiming, you know, all these big businessmen who, who are related to the fret are committing suicide. The stocks are dropping. You know, businesses are Every, closing. Everything's going to shit. Pretty much. So just furthering, uh, initiating the idea of this thing was the key to their success. This this demon monster. And you know, we're, we're back to coffee. You know, coffee has been kind of like the uh, thread throughout this episode. So now... <laughs> It would have been a better title than Reptile Boy. Yeah. Like, want to go for coffee? Yes. Would have been fun. Would have been fun. But, you know, we're now Buffy and Angel are at the bronze, the the, the coffee bean at the bronze. And what happens after that? Oh, Angel. Angel asks Buffy out for coffee. Like a normal man and a normal girl. That yes. are separated by 220 years. <laughs> yes. And she which, says yes. Which I will tell you this much, and we're going to, well, I know we're going to touch on it again, but with regular age discrepancies with humans, I'm going to have problems like with the frat boys, but with the vampires here, I read way too many fantasy romance books. <laughs> and it's all the time where these these dudes or chicks are like 300, 500 years old. And they're like, oh, this 19-year-old. I'm like, can we please just like make them 30? Can we please yes. just make them 30? I literally just read one last week. And it was one of the most straight romance ones that I've ever read. And I'm like, oh, I'm surprised I kind of like this. It was still vampires and stuff. But mm-hmm. <laughs> but he's like, he's like hundreds of years old. And she was at least... 30 she was a grown-ass woman so it wasn't like she was 19 and going oh we have so much in common no you are 19 you don't know shit about shit stop it right right but we still buy it we still buy it here we still do we still do oh and i can't forget so rewind just a little bit after destroying the monster giles and buffy have really touching scenes oh it's So, so sweet it is so buffy feels really bad because one she lied to giles Two, she shirked her um, her her slayer duties. And three, doing those first two things put her in a very dangerous situation with her friends. And instead of scolding Buffy, Giles just says, I'm hard on you because I want you to be great and I'm, I care about you and it's going to be okay. And he doesn't scold her. like No, he actually he kind- apologizes. Yeah, he apologizes, makes her feel better. She smiles and they kind of go upstairs to deal with, you know, the rest of the episode but it was you nice he closure was holding her hand yes mm-hmm. it was so cute so giles is the the mm-hmm. father figure you know people wish they had like it was just it was a really nice you know moment you know he he could have scolded because she did lie you know she did get in trouble but she's a 16 year old kid oh we keep saying like she is a teenager you know things so these things happen but he realized his part that he played in it and making her feel the way that she did and it's like, okay, we'll, we'll do better next time with this. That's exactly how we need to parent. We make mistakes too, because we're people. We screw up mm-hmm. too. We're trying to do the right thing. And, and sometimes a lot of being a parent is, is sometimes you end up making decisions that are fear-based, which are wrong. They're totally instinctual, but they're wrong. The important thing, at least that I've learned is being a parent and mm-hmm. remembering that I was a willful, challenging child and teenager myself is that they're just people too they are and this whole this whole episode was I felt like kind of it was a little bit fable-esque where everybody kind of learned a lesson even even Cordy a little bit they did they did but but yeah but Giles learned from this too it wasn't just Buffy and that's 
that's an, uh, I just love their relationship. We all need a Giles. We, we all do. need a Giles. We need a Willow. We don't need a Xander. <laughs> we all know oh, a Cordy. A less oh, yeah. funny Cordy, but we all know a Cordy. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. But yeah, that is the episode. That is Reptile Boy, guys. Episode five. Yes. And guys, guess what we have next week? More. Or two weeks from now. It's one of my favorite episodes of all time. We will be back with Halloween. We will. We will. Uh, I can't right. wait. I really can't wait. Well, okay. Until then, Mark, will you tell everybody where they can find you? Sure, guys. You can find me at Elite Sense 85 on Twitter and Instagram. I'm definitely more I'm more on Instagram than Twitter. Uh if you're looking for food posts, uh fragrance recommendations, and general <laughs> shit posting, you know, that's where you can find me. And if you look for that type of content, you will be very, very happy. <laughs> you friended me. Um, you will be because I, I love Mark's socials. They're fantastical. <laughs> they entertain and they are also educational like if you want to know how to smell good please follow him because most of you people out there do not smell good i'm gonna tell you uh, right now my nose will tell you it doesn't like most of you oh, i have, to, I have oh. to get i have to get over it and past it <laughs> or keep my distance <laughs> oh god I, i'm going out later today and i'm so thinking like what am i gonna wear like fragrance wise like that is like the worst and best part of getting dressed like what am i gonna smell like what am I going to smell like? I mean, it's it's going to be good, of course, but mm-hmm. just determining, okay, don't want to smell like this. Where am I going? Like it's, it is the is I can't even say it's a first world problem. It is just it's such a manufactured issue to have, but I hate and love having it at the same time. I, I have so many choices. What I'm going to wear? What? But it's crazy. <laughs> but yes. <laughs> All right. So if you want to learn how to smell well, please follow Mark. Or you want to chuckle at good things, please follow Mark. If you'd like to follow me, you can follow my author page on Instagram or Facebook. It's under HB Walsh. Um, if you want to follow my regular Instagram, it's under Header Time 1981. On the regular feed, I mostly just post running stuff, but on my stories, I do a lot of shit posting too. <laughs> so you can follow it's so either. It's fun to shit post people. Shit post more often. It is. We it's, need the laughter. Yes. It's like cheap therapy. Shit posting. It is. I express myself so much better through memes than my mouth. <laughs> granted. Granted. Same. Same. All right. Well, we'll see you guys next week. Word of Hellmouth is hosted by Heather Baxi Walsh and Mark Armstead. This show is edited and produced by Jason the Man Soto, and we are just one of many Rabbit Hole podcast shows. You can find episodes of this show over at rabbitholepodcast.com, Anchor, Apple, Google, and anywhere else you find your snazzy podcasts. The theme song is used by, the theme song that we use is Noise Attack by Kevin McLeod and can be found at incompetech.com. I-N-C-O-M-P-E-T-E-C-H dot com. And uh, that has been our show. So give us a follow and catch our next episode. And that's all I've got. Grr. Arg. Copyright 2023 Rabbit Hole Podcasts, rabbitholepodcasts.com.